Hello, and welcome to episode 56 of the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. I am your co-host, Matt Larson, and with me, as always, is... Cricket Lou. Good to be here. Good morning. It's early for you. Yeah, it is on the early side. It's about 7 o'clock. And the reason we're recording so early is we have uh, another episode with another special guest. We have Peter Schwacek. How, how was that? Yeah, very good. Thank you for introducing me, Matt. <laughs> okay. Could you maybe... could. Could you tell our millions of listeners the, the proper uh, Czech pronunciation of your name? <laughs> uh, it's Petr Špaček, and but I don't care because I'm going to a lot of conferences, so you know I'm used to all sorts of pronunciations. <laughs> What's the worst you've ever heard? <laughs> oh, I probably don't remember. It's way too much for, for me to remember. <laughs> all right. Petr is from Sezednik. Uh, and we've had him on because uh, while we didn't get uh, many questions, so I, I'll pause and, and make a plea again to please fill our mailbag with questions. And that's MrDNS at ask-MrDNS.com. Please send us questions. And while we didn't get questions in the last interval since episode 55, uh, we did get not one but two uh, listeners suggesting that we talk about DNS Flag Day yeah. because that's something that's coming up. I had somebody hit me up on Facebook Messenger just yesterday. Uh, a friend, Paula, uh, said, hey, you ought to have um, some sort of an episode on DNS Flag Day, uh, an emergency episode, I think she called it, which I thought was very funny <laughs> given how frequently or infrequently we record them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. The emergency episode. <laughs> So here we are with emergency episode 56. That's right. To discuss DNS Flag Day. Peter, let's just, can we turn it over to you? I guess the first question is, what is DNS Flag Day? Okay. Uh, it's actually an attempt to do some DNS policing. As, as usual, the IATF says that there is no protocol police. But it, it turns out that for TNS software vendors, it's super hard to you know, maintain the software because there is plenty of workarounds for all sorts of non-compliance. And after like 20, 25 years, it's getting out of hand. So a group of TNS vendors decided that it's time to get rid of some of the workarounds, not all of them, but some. Uh, so what we are trying here is to deprecate basically stop talking to some totally broken pieces of software which are causing trouble for everyone else except the vendor who broke it, right? Yeah. And in this particular scenario, Petr, I think the issue has to do with eDNS zero support, right? Yeah, exactly. Let me be more specific. The issue we are talking about it right, right now is that usually when the TNS client sends a query with eDNS extension attached to the original query, sometimes some broken implementations just don't reply at all. They just drop the packet and that's it. And from the client side, this is no different from normal network packet loss. Mm -hmm. So what the cl client has to do is basically try again, wait for another timeout, then maybe try again, or maybe fiddle a little bit with bits in the eDNS header, change buffer size and do a couple of tweaks and then eventually the client gets to the point where it decides, okay, it was way too much timeouts, so why don't I drop eDNS extension and try again? 
But of course, if you have like three, four, five attempts to resolve a domain, it doesn't please anyone because users are annoyed because it takes time. Uh, client software developers are annoyed because they have to maintain the workarounds. And from time to time, it happens that the workaround is causing different issues. Uh, and funnily enough, these issues typically manifest on domains, which are perfectly fine and 100% compliant. But the normal network packet loss causes basically the software to think that there is some EDNS non-compliance. It turns into the mode, which it you know disables gradually all the extensions. And then it might find out that, OK, the domain is DNS signed, but that's not going to work without EDNS. Hmm. So the, if, if, I can, if I can kind of summarize, it sounds like the, the real problem is that you have these non-compliant authoritative DNS server implementations out there that uh, don't respond if you send them an EDNS zero option. And part of the problem is, as you say, you've got to fiddle around with EDNS zero in order to see if you can cajole them into responding. But also, basically, for, for all the times that your recursive DNS server queries a name server that simply is unresponsive, you have to factor in the possibility that it's unresponsive because you sent it an EDNS zero option, even though, in fact, uh, you know, it, it's just down, and that's going to take time rather than quickly moving on to a different authoritative DNS server for the same zone. Is that is that roughly right? Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Basically, we had second flag day after or half a year before, right? Because we had the KSK rollover, which was technically a flag day for DNS resolver operators, right? And now we have a flag day for authoritative side, more or less. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. And, and Cricket, I, I just want to add, I, I know you know this, but uh, it, it's not just necessarily authoritative servers, but I would bet in many cases it's middle boxes. It's, it's things between the resolver and the server that are doing the dropping. Right, right. Can you, can you have the same situation um, if, you're, if your recursive name server is using a forwarder rather than just talking to an authoritative? Uh, theoretically, yes, if there is some middle box between them, sure. As far as I know, we haven't seen such type of breakage between mm -hmm. two recursives. So, yeah, but who knows? Internet is, is a big place. <laughs> and, and it's probably, uh, Matt, worth, worth having Peter explain a little bit about um, why it is that he's so well qualified to talk about this and talk uh, a little bit about not. Yes, if we had better production values, we would, have, <laughs> we would have planned a proper flow for this interview. But yes, so, so Petr, tell us please, uh, tell us please about where you work and uh, as Cricket said, why you are qualified to talk about DNS Flag Day. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I work for CZNIC, which is the Czech national domain operator, or registry, I should say. And besides other things, uh, the CZ folks in the past decided that the money which we get from the domain fee as a registry should be invested back into internet ecosystem. And after all, the registry is just behind the DNS. So a couple of years ago, we started a not DNS authoritative server project. And because it was kind of success, we decided that, okay, why don't we try to develop a new DNS resolver from scratch. 
So that's what I am doing and I'm leading team which is developing the not resolver, which is just recursive. So, you know, workarounds are our daily problem we face. <laughs> and just in case it's not clear to, to folks who are, are listening and who haven't heard of it before, not as K-N-O-T, like, <clears throat> like oh, right. a naughty problem. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, the continuation of the funny names like we have bind, <laughs> then we got unbound. So why don't we have not? <laughs> Great. I was at VeriSign. Uh, VeriSign was one of the uh, initial... Uh, contributors to Unbound. In fact, uh, Dave Blacka, who's still at VeriSign, uh, did an initial pilot of Unbound in in Java, which I think is long, long since uh, unused. I don't know that it, it. I don't think it ever really saw any kind of a release. But anyway, one of the things uh, we wondered about is is Unbound was our internal code name for it, and you know we were trying to think of of something else. But the problem is when you Unbound was just too clever, you know, and, and <laughs> if I don't say so myself, I didn't think of it. I don't remember who thought of it. But in the end, we decided, you know what, let's just let's just go with it. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we did because uh, I think it's a great name. And of course, now for many years, NLNet Labs has been the primary developer and responsible for its success. So I don't want to take, uh, I'm not trying to take any credit away from all the work that NLNet Labs has done. They've been the, uh, the, the sponsors and shepherds of Unbound for years. Peter, is there is there something you'd like to say about what distinguishes not from other name servers? If if our millions of listeners were in the market for a new open source DNS server, why what would compel them to consider not? What are the the things that uh, differentiate it? Okay, I should have prepared some advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we have to speak about. Uh, authoritative site and recursive site uh, specifically, right? So on the authoritative site, it's basically now it's mature DNS server, which is super fast. And uh, our in our benchmarks, it's basically more or less the same performance as NSD. In some setups, it has better performance than NSD. In some other setups, NSD is a little bit uh, faster than us. But the thing is that NSD is pure slave. You cannot do a lot of stuff with NSD. But the not DNS is authoritative server, uh, which has a lot of features like online DNS signing, or you know signing offline and then using static signatures. You can do dynamic updates. You can do policies, your own modules for whatever you want, and so on. So if you care about performance, I think that not DNS is the right choice. Sir. And then what about the not resolver? Yeah, and, and not resolver, that's very different piece of software. Of course, performance is one, one thing we aim at. Uh, but most importantly, not resolver is built to be something like open resty. It's, it's basically super modular. You can do whatever you want in modules. You can change the resolution path. You can build in crazy filters based on whatever database you have at hand and so on. So uh, right now, many users of Not Resolver are, I would say, big guys who are building platforms on top of the Not Resolver. So for example, there is a company called uh, Whalebone and they produce uh, TNS filtering capabilities for basically for ISPs, telcos, and so on. 
uh, and uh, they are extensively using the pluggability of the not resolver. So you can do, as I said, crazy stuff in the modules. <laughs> I'm I'm curious, um, Peter. Are there? Uh, you know, we talked about in particular the the two flag days, um, the the KSK rollover and this uh, upcoming flag day, which is uh, February first. Is that right? First, yes, exactly. Yeah, we should have asked that. I suppose I, I've I've been, I've been waiting to ask that question. <laughs> I, I'm just curious, as as a the developer as a, of a DNS server, are there other flag days that you could envision? Other um, crazy workarounds and accommodations in the in the server code that you'd like to rip out? Well, that's actually a very good question because this is the first of first flag day of this sort, I would say. So let's see how it goes, and maybe there will be flag day 2020 or 2021 or, or something. But uh, we'll see how it goes, because this is for the first time I would I think where all the all the major software developers cooperate and agreed on one thing which should be improved this way. So because we have CZNIC on board with ISC, PowerDNS, and NLNet Labs, that was the initial group, and over time we got support from Quad9, which is operating their public recursives and also Cloudflare and Google joined the club as well and declared that they will be supporting the flag day and that their public recursive infrastructure will gradually disable workarounds as well, mm -hmm. which is, I think, great achievement. And it's probably worth um, uh, expanding on what you just said, which was that they'll gradually do this. Um, I think people think of flag days as being um, uh, an abrupt transition between one state and another. And, and this really isn't that. Basically, the, the folks that you cited have said that they're going to begin releasing versions of code that do not um, accommodate these broken uh, DNS servers after February 1st, but but we're probably unlikely to see drastic changes on February 1st, right? Well, it, it really depends. When we talk about on-premise deployments, it's exactly correct because, of course, we when we release a new version of soft our software, it will take some time before it gets deployed. But the thing is that the public recursive platforms and providers mm -hmm. trend as well. So, from because of this support, I would say that it will be quite quick. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, Google Public DNS and and uh, Open DNS or, or Umbrella or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, Quad Nine. They they could they could actually literally flip a switch and change behavior. Yeah, and that, of course they will be monitoring the progress to to see if all the internet burns down or not. But uh, <laughs> we are doing quite intensively scans over basically all the domain names you can get hands-on. And it seems that it's not a big deal, in fact. Well, that's good. We should talk about exactly what the accommodations are. I mean, I think you've sort of implied, and we can read between the lines, I, I, I guess it's when you send uh, a query with EDNS and you get what's a timeout, you, you basically assume it's a, a timeout. You don't retry without eDNS. Is that, yes, is exactly. that essentially it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so so presumably you'd move on to another uh, another authoritative DNS server, 
you know, whatever your service selection algorithm tells you to do naturally without, uh, without trying to bend over backwards for these broken DNS servers. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. The thing is that everyone implemented the server selection algorithm in different way. Mm-hmm. So we are not saying what's going to happen because we don't know, you know, every implementation is different and it had its own reasons why to do it this way or that way. But the thing is that from February 1st, we will treat DNS query timeout as actual timeout. And, and that's it, <laughs> period. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I, I was interested in was something that Evan Hunt from ISC pointed out, which uh, was that it was really important to have a flag day, that is to have DNS server developers agree to take out um, these these accommodations um, because there's a real first mover disadvantage. You don't want to be the one vendor who goes out and says, look, we're no longer going to accommodate these broken uh, DNS servers, because then there's the possibility that somebody else goes, well, we can interoperate with any authoritative DNS server. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's the reason why I'm so glad that basically everyone from open source community got on board. Yeah, I personally think this is fantastic because anybody who's done any sort of DNS operations or uh, protocol development realizes that there's such a long tail. There's software that just is still out there, just literally decades old, people manage to run stuff. And so there's just all this baggage that we drag behind us, whether we're operators or protocol developers. And I just think it's fantastic that that you all are finally putting a stake in the ground and saying, okay, enough of this particular this particular behavior. And I, I personally hope that it goes well and that this could be the first of multiple flag days, as we mentioned a moment ago. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully. It turns out that the EDNS is 20 years old th- this year, <laughs> and we are still not able to get it deployed, right? So <laughs> that was the motivation for doing the flag day, because it was like way too much. So next, I want to roll the EDNS version number. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's oh, one dear. of interesting uh, points because we explicitly decided that we are testing only EDNS version 0 in our scans because EDNS version 1 would technically be like the right thing to scan as well, but it would squee, you know, distort the result so much that it wouldn't tell us anything because in our basically TLD scans, we get different numbers depending on the parameters you ch- uh, choose, right? So I- I at CZ, we have breakage around approximately 0.12%, which is like almost nothing. And mm-hmm. half of these domains are more or less packed domains. So they are not used for anything and nobody cares. It's just name registration, that's it. So actual breakage is, is like 0.06% or something. But this is without including EDNS versions above zero. If you include EDNS version above zero, numbers are totally different. But in practice, nobody cares because if you deploy like strict resolver with strict behavior, you will not notice a difference if EDNS one is broken because, well, it's not sending EDNS one. Yeah. Peter, I'm wondering, 
Um, do you have any kind of a feeling for the the sort of performance improvement people might see? It, if you imagine a scenario, for example, where um, you have a set of authoritative name servers for a zone, one of them is down, your name server happens to pick the one that's down, um, with with not in particular, it, it, what what kind of a performance benefit will I see if I don't have to to retry that um, that uh, DNS server in the in the slim possibility that it's just one of these broken authoritatives? <laughs> That's a very funny question because we started with not resolver just a couple years ago, and it turns out that we didn't have this workaround for for years, and nobody noticed. <laughs> so the performance benefit is. I don't think that there is big performance benefit, but there will be a benefit in reliability because random packet loss before the flag day can turn into you know all sorts of weird behavior because it triggers the workaround code, which is easily confused by random packet loss. But after the flag day, once uh, everyone removes the workaround, it will be just packet loss and will be handled as ordinary packet loss without any special treatment, which means that it's way easier to debug problems. Ah, okay, interesting. So it sounds like you've done outreach um, and are in a, are still doing testing. Oh yeah, uh, we spent like half a year doing all sorts of scans and outreach campaigns and so on, because. For example, in CZ, uh, we decided to do full TLD scan a couple months ago. And based on the results of the scan, uh, we have had a couple of presentations at conferences and we told local people in local network operations group, okay, we found out that there is this and that breakage, please update your servers. And surprisingly, it went really well because after one single presentation, the breakage went uh, to half. Wow. So we repeated the scan, identified the new new breakage, or, well, remaining breakage, I should say. And then we sent out a press, press message, and the breakage went to half again. So we were on one quarter, basically, of the original value. Mm -hmm. And then we decided to email different large network operators who still had broken alternative servers at the time and some of them fixed their stuff but it turns out that uh, majority of the breakage is just parked domains and nobody cares about them so we just you know, decided that okay it was enough who wanted to fix their servers already did that and who doesn't want well we are not a protocol police still <laughs> well I have to say having been involved in the root KSK role which you referred to as a sort of flag day which I agree with I'm very jealous that your flag day allows you to measure what the impact is going to be uh, with the root KSK role of course there's there's no way to know what trust anchors uh, given recursive resolver has configured so all we could do was outreach and outreach and outreach and I don't want to say hope for the best. Uh, we did have some signal, as you know, the RFC 8145 data uh, and the very beginning of the signal from the KSK Sentinel protocol, but we were almost flying blind. So the idea that you could scan and do some outreach and scan again and see how effective it was, uh, I, I'm sort of jealous of that. That, that. that would have been really nice. I can understand it. 
Uh, in fact, we are still getting queries for more information about the flag day. But usually the ask is, well, could you provide uh, version numbers for authoritative servers which are compliant? And the problem is that we can't because typically the problem is either authoritative server or a middle box. So imagine a situation when we have table with version numbers for authoritative servers. And then some random DNS administrator will go to the website, find the table and say, okay, I'm fine because my bind 9.14 or something is new enough, okay. But there is no way for us to specify all the version numbers of broken middle boxes, right? Mm -hmm. So it turns out that what's actually necessary is to force the two people to test their authoritative side. Because there might be some middle box, it might be, you know, firewall with two strict configuration or whatever. So actually outreach campaign had the problem that people were asking, tell us exactly what to do, but we cannot tell them exactly because it very much depends on their network and only they can find out the problem. So when I compare this with the KSK rollover, the advantage on your side was that you could specify more or less exactly the steps you need to do to check the configuration on disk. But in our case, the problem can happen anywhere in the resolution path. So we have to force the people to actually run the test tool on their own infrastructure to find out whether it works or not, because just checking configuration files or version numbers is not, not enough. Yeah, that makes sense. That's an interesting point. Well, is there anything else you wanted to tell our millions of listeners about <laughs> DNS Flag Day? <laughs> well, if you didn't check your domains, please do. Go to the website dnsflagday.net and there is single form with single input and a single button. So if you enter your zone name and press the button, it will tell you the result. So please test your domains. All right. Well, thank you, Peter. Thank you very much for having me here. Yeah, thanks very much. And, and now, of course, we get to the, uh, the witty banter section of <laughs> the podcast episode. Ah, the witty banter section. Did we have anything saved up for witty banter? I was thinking before we started doing some rare preparation for the episode recording, um, you know, what I've been doing. And uh, I've been watching a good, a good show. Uh, it's a, a Netflix show. Uh, it's Babylon Berlin. Have you heard no, of this? I have not. It's no. a crime drama set in the Weimar Republic in 1929. And I, I, I found it by way of, uh, I've been trying to work on my meager German skills mm -hmm. and somebody in some forum that I that I read said that they had watched it uh, and, and were pleased with their comprehension so I thought well all right let me give that a shot so I fired it up with the German subtitles and got about 10 minutes in and I thought this is not going to be a satisfying experience <laughs> so I, <laughs> I switched to the English subtitles and uh, I, I'm really I'm really enjoying it and, and as a, as a bonus now, having done several hours of it, I, I, I do notice the compre comprehension on the German side going up. So that's so that's nice. But I but I like it, it. It's interesting. It's very well done. Yeah, I guess it's fantastically popular in Germany. I I find that that when I'm when I'm in a German speaking country, and, and I was in gosh, was it December? We had our um, 
our, our Infoblox partner, DAC, D-A-C-H, which is Germany, Austria, Switzerland, we had our partners conference in Bavaria. And uh, I, I find that if I'm, if I'm back in a German-speaking con- country, my comprehension starts to, starts to ratchet up pretty quickly. And it makes me it makes me really sad for the fact that I never got to I never got to live uh, in a in a German speaking country and and um, work on my my German. Yeah, I, I, I dare say we're at uh, we're at roughly the same level. I think I'm probably a two on the on the scale. You know, I think a a two a high a two low B one, and uh, it's just really frustrating because I also have never lived in a German speaking country, and I also have been you know, like in Germany for maybe two weeks or something. And by the end, it's like, I, I see the glimmer of hope that, oh man, if yes. I stuck around here. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a scale. <laughs> yeah, it's a standardized, uh, it's, a, it's a European thing. Petra, maybe you know more, more about it, but there's there's A1, A2, B1, B2, and at least C1. C1. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I believe you have to, it's, it's not just... Uh, a written test like I, I believe there's a an interview part of it so somebody has to test you and they assess you based on your uh, comprehension and speaking as well yes exactly they also rate how fluent you are and if you can talk about different topics outside of your area of expertise and so on so it's I think that's that kind of scaling makes really sense for languages yeah, yeah, it would certainly be easier to to compare, for example, somebody's resume or or to know what to expect. I'm sure Peter would will put us all to shame. Uh, <laughs> his English is is uh, as as good as ours, and and uh, undoubtedly you speak uh, at least one, if not several, other languages. Well, funnily enough, I spent ten years learning German or attempting to learn German. But I haven't used it since then, so I probably forgot everything. Well, I I suggest you watch Babylon Berlin and see if you can understand it and if you enjoy the show. (laughs) Thank you for the suggestion. Well, what do you think? Is that an episode's worth? I I think so. I think so. I think we're right right near our, uh, our, our target length. So shall I take us out? Sure. All right. Well, thank you, as always, for joining us. And uh, special thanks um, to Peter Spacek, Spacek sorry, uh, for, for joining us and for uh, explaining all about DNS Flag Day to us on this special emergency podcast uh, episode. Um, our, our mailbag is a little bit empty, as Matt said earlier in the episode. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you have questions, please send them to Mr. DNS, MRDNS at ask-mrdns.com. And till next time, I'll say goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>